Welcome back to Sell It With Bell, episode 28, where we continue to expand our perception and our knowledge through the stories of our guests. And today I am with a special guest, a friend of mine, Ashton Lambert. How's it going, my man? Good, man. Thanks for having me, Brad. Appreciate it. Of course, of course. How's the drive here? Uh, Scarborough Road's little unforeseen <laughs> territory, but I'm here. I made it. You like the studio, man? my man? I love it here. I love it here. Yeah. You like the collectibles on the side? We just added that in. Sure, buddy. A little Giannis. Uh, could use some Raptor stuff, but I love it. Raptors fan? Got it. Mm. Scotty Barnes rookie of the year. Scotty, yeah. <laughs> Tell my wife every night I'm like, Scotty. <laughs> There's no way Evan Mobley can can get that over him. He's the odds are minus five hundred on Mobley. Yeah, I just think like just Canada, Toronto sports teams, man, don't get the respect. Like nationally, but, right? Like Scotty's Scotty's the guy mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, Toronto just beat Cleveland last night as well. Let's let's mention that. You yeah, know? yeah, I'm aware. I was I'm pretty to sure. Bring it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there's still like a game ahead. Uh, I mean, a game behind on the standings. But if Toronto does pass Cleveland, like that has to be Scotty Burns has to be number yeah, one. Yeah, and no. he's averaging in three categories higher than Mobley for sure, man. Honestly, too, like getting that championship, we could be bad for five, ten years. I really wouldn't care. But uh, the thing yeah. is, the Raptors can compete with anybody yeah. i feel yeah no, sure. our core is crazy but we're just disrespected i guess maybe it's like you said canadian team only canadian team in the nba the disrespect needs to stop yeah no disrespect here <laughs> <laughs> but hey let's talk about mortgages let's get into all of that uh let's break it down where where were you born where'd you grow up kind of run me down your early life my man uh yeah man i mean hamiltonian nothing crazy didn't come here from anywhere else but uh I don't know, story-wise, I mean, uh, my mom and dad, they had me when they were really, really young. Uh, my mom was, I believe, 14. My dad was, I think, 15. So uh got some young parents. I think that really shaped kind of my early years, my teen years, and obviously my adulthood years. So it's kind of where I started. We all have an origination story, and yeah, I was born to some, some younger parents. I think that kind of dictated where I ended up and kind of some things in my life and the cards I was dealt in a positive light. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Parents that young. I mean, when you started to get older and kind of understand your situation more and more, how did you start like viewing your parents? Did you understand how young they were at the time? Uh, no, man. I mean, like you're born, you don't really have control over when you're born. Right. So right. you kind of just come into the world. You're de- dealt like the, the cards that you're dealt. Um, my mom was like, my best memories are just my mom and dad. They would kind of share me on weekends. Um, obviously when you're that young, you don't know, Oh, my parents are young. Like that doesn't really cross your mind. Right. But, uh, only child, for about 20 years until my dad had um, my two younger sisters who I love very much. So I have a little bit of only child syndrome because I had 20 years of living as an only child. Um, and yeah, I mean, those things kind of dictated kind of learning processes where I ended up now in life. Um, and honestly, sometimes it's like they're like older brothers and sisters to me, my mom and my dad. It's kind of cool. Um, so I, I'm grateful for the situation. Everyone's dealt different cards and I think my story's kind of cool on that end and kind of how things happened. For sure. Now you mentioned that you uh, shared weekends with them. So were they? Did they get divorced? Uh, no. So like they were young, right? They oh, never got, yeah. They didn't get oh, married. Okay. Like, yeah. Makes yeah, sense. That, makes yeah. sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, like they were cordial. Like obviously. Um, so yeah, every other weekend, like some of my best memories, just going to my dad's, going to my mom's, and just growing up, uh, kind of with both of them. I mean, having parents that young. I mean, you know what it's like to be. I'm 20 years old. You're, I mean, you're still young today. I mean, you kind of know the struggles you go through trying to just find your path, trying to get to the money, trying to be able to provide for yourself, but also, you know, maybe the people you love around you. So like, did you really understand the struggle as in them trying to provide for you that young? No, man. That's why I bring it up. Like you asked me, like, tell us where you're from and whatnot, like from Hamilton. I don't have a crazy story, but like the age that I'm at now, I'm 30 now. And like just my mindset, the things I want to kind of do for, 
for my wife, for my family, for, for my younger sisters, like the approach I have to just like having good people in my life and carrying responsibilities and just being a good person and sharing that with others. Like I can only imagine sometimes <laughs> I have a lot of things on my plate, but like to be parents that young and like all they did for me. That's why I bring it up when you ask me that question, man, because mm. like super grateful for that. And just looking back, I don't think we realized that till later on. And I think it's even magnified in this case, just they were, they were just kids when they had a kid, right? And like just seeing kind of how that led me to where I am and how like the relationship I have with them now is what it is. Um, I can only imagine all the time they kind of put into to help me get to where I am. All for right, sure. So. I mean, what, what age do you want to have kids? Uh, Sorry for posing that question on you. Is my wife going to watch this? Awesome, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, ASAP. Ready to go. Oh, for real? Yeah, ready to go. Man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Just well, at that point, man. So. Uh, well, I mean, growing up like that, interesting, interesting kind of come up, young parents. What were you kind of diving yourself into? I mean, did your parents that young have kind of the funds to put you in like extracurricular activities or what was kind of situation in like, uh, like trying out stuff? Yeah. Um, so I think, man, like being an only child and like going to my mom's, going to my dad's, having maybe different styles of parenting and almost being in like a hybrid mode as a kid, not fully being myself in front of one person and in front, like in front of my mom being the same person and being in front of my dad being the same person. Like, cause they would both let me do different things or they'd have different ways of parenting. Again, they were young, they were kind of figuring it out. Right. Again, all in positive kind of lights. Um, so yeah, like question wise to answer your question that, like, yeah, they got me into hockey. They let me do pretty much everything I wanted to do. Similar to like someone going into college or university trying to pick a course. Maybe they don't know what they want to do. So <laughs> um, parents let me try literally everything, man. Gravitated towards like hockey, a lot of extracurricular stuff as well, like just sporting-wise, swimming, all that stuff. Um, really some of my best memories, man, and just like some of the some of the teams that I had like growing up. Like just my dad or my mom driving me to hockey every day and like just some of those stories and times that you can really never get back, right? So For sure. I can totally relate. I mean, myself playing hockey as well. Those early morning car rides, you know, going to Tim Hortons, hitting the rink for practice, you know, it, it really makes up your childhood and just the cool people you're able to meet, all the laughs in the dressing room. I mean, looking back on it, you really cherish just those moments, right? And you kind of reminisce on, you know, you wish you could go back, but now you're at a different point in your life where you kind of move on, but you still look back at those times and you're grateful for them and they taught you a lot. Yeah, time flies, man. <laughs> those, uh, those childhood memories are valuable for sure. So, yeah, on the same page as you. Now, at that point in your life, you're trying out sports and stuff. What did you kind of have your eyes on? What were you kind of maybe leaning towards um, in, in terms of taking your life? Uh, like, so the activities I did were to, like, yeah, I mean, how did that dictate my interests and what I wanted to do and whatnot? Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming you're a young guy in school. I mean, wh what did you want to be at that point? Like, career-wise? Yeah. Well, well, how, how are the bills going to get paid? Buddy, in a I, want to years? Play, I want to play for the Raptors. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, a decently tall guy, right? Yeah. Geez, yeah. man. Baseball was actually my sport. Like, I actually sucked at hockey, but like, that's not a cool story. Uh, <laughs> played hockey for 10 years, baseball for 10 years, basketball for 10 years. Baseball was my best sport. Played like rep, traveled all over and whatnot. Um, I don't think any sporting event or like any kind of activity had a direct effect on like what I wanted to do. Um, again, you're so young, man, you're just going through the motions and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. Going to this event, going to that event, having laughs, doing things maybe you're not supposed to, doing things you are supposed to. <laughs> um, but all those kind of childhood memories, again, as the years go by, just some of those friendships are valuable. And like, 
maybe some of the friendships and conversations that I've had with some friends that I grew up with to my teen years, to my now years. I think those conversations and the people you meet younger in life that you stay in touch with um, end up kind of leading you in certain directions with your thoughts, whether that's career-wise, personal-wise, or just internally, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, isn't it? Do you find it weird that kind of when you look back on, say, earlier in your life, at that point in time, you feel so like old and like, you know, what's going on. Know but everything. Then you grow up like a couple, <laughs> a couple years later. And then you're like, back then I didn't know shit. Oh, I feel that way today. Mm, Literally just walk, walk in the door. Mm-hmm. Man. Just yeah. based on a couple years ago as well. Does that ever stop? I'll tell you when I'm 35, if it does, <laughs> uh, I don't think so, man. I think even like talk to your grandparents or whatnot, like maybe they can't like we're in a more social world where like everything's put in front of you right Experi- other people's experiences uh, other people's tribulations other people's successes other uh, other people's downfalls it's always put in your face via social media or what have you right um i think like maybe we're taught to maybe feel a certain way or think you're different think a certain way um i'm sure like our grandparents they didn't have access to all that stuff right so they probably have stories and things that could teach you that you can't even put into words that we're now seeing in like the social digital world shoved in front of us um, that might accelerate maybe some people's perception or, or thoughts as opposed to like learning it firsthand like you had to do back in the day. You know what I Interesting. mean? Interesting. Right? You know what I mean? Would you rather live in today's age where we have all this social media and technology or would you rather go back 40 years and, you know, pick up a book? Not that you still can't pick up a book today, but it seems maybe. Yeah. Here's the thing, man. Like I'm 30, so like, when we were, I remember getting like a shuffle iPod, fit like 25 songs on it. And like, Those shitty little like. Yeah, like a grade <laughs> 10 maybe. So we didn't have like, I kind of grew up on the fringe of that world versus the world we're in now. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I got the, the best of both worlds. I miss like the, the need, the, like to go see someone, you had to go knock on their door. Hey, hey, is Brad home? You know, your, your mom answers the door, hey, is Brad home? Can you come play street hockey? Like, stuff like that I kind of miss. Now it's like just DM someone and, like, you, you actually know where they are at all mm-hmm. times for the most part. Um, so, I don't know. I think there's some positives to the social world that we're in now, the social media world that we're in now. I think there's some things that will be missed that, like, some kids may never actually experience. That's just kind of so maybe some undistracted conversations, some undistracted hangouts, some undistracted personal thoughts, right? It's a good thing though that the only people that actually care about that are like older people that are like, oh, you didn't, you grew up with this and this. I didn't get that. But like the younger people now growing up with all this stuff, I mean, we don't care. This is what, this is all we knew. This is what we used to do. This is what we enjoy. This is, you know, with evolution comes, you know, comfort, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all you know, right? So pros and cons to both, I think, man, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You You can't doubt that like social media and technology is like propelling just humans in our world in general, right? Like, Hmm. Does it make you um, maybe worried in a sense, you know, in today's age, we're hearing talks around like metaverse and stuff like that. I mean, are they like at at a point it's going to be just worse than going on your phone and, you know, scrolling down Instagram or YouTube. You're actually going to be more, you know, indulged in it, even though that's kind of hard to imagine. I mean, that that seems kind of scary and maybe bad for maybe uh, mental health as well. As long as we still have a choice. Mm. I don't think the metaverse will be mandatory. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe the addictions we carry that we may not know of or really care to um, pay attention to, like just our phones. I mean, I'm addicted to my phone. I'm sure. We're all addicted yeah, we're all addicted yeah. to our phone. I mean, that in itself may just get you know 
forced upon us and we may not even mention it yeah there's like a netflix documentary man i don't know if you saw it about like the social media world did, did you see that well, do you remember what it was called because i may have it wasn't uh, the social the, was it called this oh no not the social dilemma yeah, that was oh, that it. one. That oh, was it. Okay. Yeah, so maybe some of your listeners have seen that too. Mm. It was like a pretty prominent Netflix series for a while. We all watched it. We're like, this stuff is horrible. <laughs> and you know what I did the next? You know what I did? I probably went on my phone and I just like tweeted about the the show I was watching of how bad social media is for our right. brains and addictions, right? right. Um, so I don't know. I, mean, I think like I think the younger generation, like the kids that are growing up, they kind of have to be. It's up to like I don't want to put I don't want to put parents on the hook, but like it's up to some of the older people in their lives to like make sure they're still getting quality undistracted time. Like I saw an article today in the spec that at all the parks, they're putting in free Wi-Fi. That's wow. just, just what the kids need more, more Wi-Fi at the parks when they're like playing tag and stuff. Wi-Fi at the parks. Yeah. Funded by the city. So funded by us. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, man, pros and cons, right? Like you can't doubt, like just pick up your phone, access to instant information is not uh, favorable to growth and learning and humanity but there's some downfalls too that just need to be kept in check um that hopefully like we continue to like keep at bay so that we still have some of the human interactions like sitting here not sitting in the metaverse right of course agreed i mean we can't get rid of grounders always keep grounders at the parks that's a legendary game and that always needs to be around no wi-fi at the parks that's what i always say whoever's running that shit stop that shit (laughs) that's what i always say (laughs) But man, you're, uh, let's take it back. You're trying out all these sports. Um, obviously you're in the mortgage industry now. What did you have to do to get your, what is it? A mortgage license or whatever? Did you attend college or how did, how did that go about? Uh, no man. So again, I'm 30 now. Um, you gotta be like 18, 19 when you Mm. go to college and make a decision on what you want to take. Probably 18 or 19, right? Yeah. 18, 19, you go to college. I mean, but what is it? Is it a license? Yeah. So there's a mortgage license you have mm. to take. Um, I was just peeling back my brain to be like, I didn't go to college to be yeah. a mortgage agent. Right. Um, I think when you're 18, 19, you kind of, you're almost forced to pick something that you think you're going to end up in. So I went to school for advertising. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I did that um, for four years at Mohawk and did like a post-grad. So after you graduate you can do like a post-grad. So um, I got like a certificate in public relations as well. So advertising and public relations mixed together. Um, on the advertising side, there's like a, a business side you can go and there's a creative side you can go. Um, I couldn't draw a stick man if you asked me to. I'm not like super creative in terms of art. Um, so I went the business route where mm. they kind of teach you like how to how to do advertising, whether that's commercials, whether that's direct selling, whatever it may be, right? Um, ended up working at CH News. Yeah, for probably eh, two and a half years. Um, and then they, they had some layoffs, probably funny. We were talking about social media earlier, like obviously not as many people watch the news on TV like they used to <laughs> probably cause they can get news elsewhere. Right. So they had some layoffs. Um, my department was like part of those, but whatever, got some invaluable experience there. Um, ended up connecting with a mortgage, uh, brokerage owner in Hamilton just through my stepmom actually, um, who's in underwriter at one of the big banks in, in Ontario in Canada. Sorry. Um, kind of went out, met him, actually met him at like a house party, just an adult house party. Um, had like some conversations, ended up doing some like administrative work for him for probably a year and a half, two years. And slowly over time and just hearing mortgage conversations, hearing real estate conversations, um, that just kind of fell into my blood and my veins almost naturally. 
because a lot of the advertising and public relation is tied to obviously advertising, selling in a way. A mortgage there is a product to actually sell, um, but the public relations aspect of it, it's almost a service too, right? Like not just selling a product, like I'm trying to give ultimate commitment to a client for life. Um, and that's done kind of through certain, I think, public relations methods as well, right? So um, got my license when I was, I think, 25, 26. I've been doing it like full time for, for four or five years now. Super cool. You know, at the time you're 18, 19, um, where were you at mentally? I mean, were you kind of, I, I, I know, like <laughs> young, young adult male trying to figure out what the hell he's trying to do. But I'm really curious on where, where you're at mentally. Were you going like through shit? Was there shit really bugging you that was like a, a huge motivator in the next couple of years? You know, when you were um, worked for CH and then eventually got into the mortgage business? Uh, cause I feel like we all have like, you know, those couple things that are just like fucking eating us alive inside where it's just like, I got to keep moving or else this thing's going to eat me away. Yeah. I mean, I, we all got problems. Mm-hmm. We don't always speak about them often, mm-hmm. but like when you're fucking 17, 18, 19, you don't know what the heck's going on. Half your friends are moving to this university or this college. You're, you're out of high school. You're forced to go make a decision at university college, what you want to take. You're then like, okay, go, go to your courses, do your classes. And then you're going to the job world and you're just kind of thrown into everything. Right. So like I was lost, man, to be honest, like I was in a, like most, yeah. Like I was in an eight year relationship mm-hmm. with someone and we broke up like my first year of college. So like, just scattered first man. love so young, yeah just young broken-hearted man those ones <laughs> fuck you up man. yeah that was <laughs> so obviously like just in turmoil right and just not being able to kind of get direction in my life of what i wanted to do so i just went through the motions man do what, mm-hmm. do what you're supposed to do go to school do this do that literally no idea where it end up um which again we were talking about it earlier like as the years tick by you start to see perspective on the past like i didn't fully grasp like what the heck i was thinking when i was 18 19 20 probably until I was like 26, 27, started to understand like why I made a decision, why I thought this way, why I would talk this way. Interesting. Right. So that many years until you kind of started to self-reflect on like, just really understand your actions, why you're doing this or that. I wonder if I'll go through like that, that same, that same process in a couple of years. I don't know if it's that long for everyone, man, but like definitely happens like male, female, whatever human Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Like that, that stuff's going to happen when you're in your young twenties. Right. So it's just interesting to look back on now. I'm sure everyone have a kind of a cool story about retrospectively what they were thinking or feeling at that time. Right. So it's cool to look back on mm-hmm. just the growth from that point. Right. How was it working for uh CH news? What, what bullshit were they telling you though? Like, <laughs> out to the public? No, no fake news. No fake news. <laughs> no, but seriously, so, what were you doing in uh, like, how did, how did that go? Yeah. So like I was just, I was in what they called the business studio. There was a creative studio and a business studio In the business studio. We'd essentially like obtain clients um, so like, I don't know, home, home Depot wants to do a commercial, you know, we'd bring in like home Depot people. We'd kind of sit in the boardroom and go through ideas of what we wanted to do. They'd bring in their branding team. Um, we'd been in kind of our marketing team as well. Um, and then bring in like kind of the broadcast members who would like put together a commercial, right? Not obviously broadcasted on the news, but like they run news cycles and commercials on CH news. So like handling some of the commercial intake is what I'm saying. Um, mm. producing some of the commercials, there was a game show as well. <laughs> I can't remember the name, man, but like I was part of like the kind of breakdown of imagine getting like a game, uh, getting a game board and you get to create the rules. Essentially, like I was part of that process. Uh, the name of the, the actual game is slipping my mind now, um, but there was a team of like 12 of us. Um, we all had to sit in the boardroom and kind of hash out with some of the CH um, 
top level kind of management people. Um, this new game show that they were putting on TV. It ended up not That's cool. Yeah, it ended up not launching, but uh, oh well. <laughs> just, uh, just to touch back on that, every every time you open that uh, board game, you get to make your own set of rules. That's a pretty good idea. If yeah. that's what the objective was. Yeah, no, no, that wasn't the game itself. I'm mm. just like relating it to okay. like we had like a blank script, right? And we were mm. able to kind of. It was cool to like from start to finish be with like twelve other minds and like think of like a, a game that we we're going to put on TV, like a game show, right? Huh. Um, so yeah, that was kind of cool. Just that was my first experience. Why I bring that up? That was my first experience of like I'm not in school anymore doing like a project. This is like a real <laughs> thing that's going to go on TV, right? Yeah. So that's why I bring that up. That was cool. Interesting. Super cool. So from the news, leave that into the mortgage business. A lot of people, and you know this, I have my real estate license, but I'm not really like even on that right now. I kind of got it and then disappeared from it. Uh, but even everybody, I want to say everybody, they're kind of confused on what a mortgage actually is. Like a mortgage mortgage is just a word that kind of confuses people. Can you kind of explain just what a mortgage is? Yeah, it's something that you need. <laughs> want to buy a house. <laughs> um, yeah, no, in all seriousness, like, I don't know, maybe for some of the younger audience, if they're not at that point yet, but like, Everyone needs a place to live, right? So 99% of people are going to need a house. 99% of people don't have $600,000 in cash sitting around, right? So let's say you, you want to buy a house for 500000 You have $25,000 to put down on the house. You need a mortgage of 475000 right? So um, essentially based on the income that you make, based on some of the credit items that you have, a lender or a mortgage broker will look at your file, make sure that like based on the income you're receiving, based on any credit payments that maybe you're making in your in your real world life, um, that you can qualify for the $475,000 mortgage and the payments that come with it that you're asking for, right? Um, I often like, I have this kind of view of like, you're not really, you're buying a house, but you're not actually buying the house for the purchase price. You're buying the mortgage and the payment that comes along with buying that house. Um, so yeah, like if you're looking to buy a house, like you gotta make sure like the payment that you're actually going to be making on a monthly basis something that like is comfortable in the real world for you right because you're essentially buying that payment for mm-hmm. the next 25 years so to some is tell me if this is right to sum that all up it's basically you're buying a house with a credit card just hypothetically a credit card and then you're making payments on that essentially yeah i mean the, the credit card in this case is like Scotiabank, td or whatnot they're uh-huh. giving you the cash to be able to buy that house right then you're paying interest on that cash Essentially right. the same as you do for a credit card, right? So yeah. Right. Now obviously I pay attention to your stories. And um I obviously everybody knows that interest rates have been low in the housing market, but recently I'm pretty sure I saw you post they actually um increased by a, a decent amount. Yeah, um, so uh for anyone who doesn't know, we've been in a pandemic for two and a half years. Um or however long it is now, time flies by. Um so we've essentially seen like number one, like a doubling of house prices now compared to two and a half years ago an effect from the pandemic and we've now seen like a doubling of interest rates now as opposed to the start of the pandemic um throughout the pandemic we've had what i've called like emergency interest rates basically interest rates to like keep people in their homes and making mortgages affordable given all that was happening with the pandemic people losing their jobs um being laid off because of covid whatever right so um, yeah, we've been in a territory where there's been some emergency rates for a while now. A lot of my clientele uh, bases, like real estate investors who like took advantage of that opportunity, um, were able to buy real estate with interest rates lower than one and a half percent 
it's essentially like a negative interest rate, man, given like inflation and housing. You buy a house for 500 grand, you're paying one and a half percent interest. That house is now probably worth 900 grand. Essentially, right. you're really not paying interest. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, but now we're in a state, yeah, where like things are back to normal. My theory is that people are free to move around again. So um, real estate is back on, on the mark, right? Like everyone is back out there looking at houses and whatnot. Lenders know that. Um, and the economy is slowly coming back to normal. So we're going to have interest rates kind of creep up double to what they've been for the last two and a half years, which hasn't been normal. I have to remind people on. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, kind of where we're at in the market, at least now. Interesting. A lot of people may be wondering who dic- dictates what the interest rate is. Is it kind of the mortgage industry itself or is it like the government? Uh, I'm honestly not too sure. Yeah, man, mainly so the Bank of Canada, which is tied to the government, they set what is called the prime lending rate in Canada. I don't want to bore too many people, but essentially just based on economics, based on metrics, based on lending guidelines, based on um, housing prices, projections. I don't want to bore people, so I'll stop at that point. (laughs) Um, Things are kind of adjusted almost on a almost on a weekly basis, right? So I'm always trying to stay on top of that. Um, I mean, love my job, man, like 24-7. It's it's a hobby of mine. So I'm always trying to stay on top of that with the ever-changing lending landscape. It's not just like, here's the product and it is what it is. Things change literally, I said weekly, but probably daily. So Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Since since you brought up the banks, I actually remember we've spoken before, we've met up before and talked. And I remember one specific thing you said, and it, it's around the there's certain people at the bank can that can do the exact same job you can, but they aren't necessarily as qualified as a mortgage agent like yourself. What's that all about? Yeah. Yeah. When we met up, uh, it's kind of giving you some conversations into like how I approach business or at least some of my client conversations, right? Um, at the end of the day, man, like you can walk into the bank and you can get a mortgage pretty darn easily, right? Um, but those people at the banks, like they sell insurance, they sell RSPs, they dabble in mortgages, they have other incentives to hit. Like they're not a hundred percent mortgages, right? You're literally looking to take out hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, some people at a very young age, some people middle-aged or whatever, right? Like, that's a big deal, man. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, there's some, some sometimes certain terms within a mortgage um, that can penalize you later if you ever break it. So if you ever sell your home, if you ever try and take money out of your home to buy something else, um, if you ever get separated, if there's ever a global pandemic, boom, there's another example. Uh, and you lose your job and you got to sell your house. Like There's many things that come up where if you break your mortgage, there's a big penalty for breaking your mortgage. Um, a lot of the time, at, I find that like people aren't always educated on on those things. They're just kind of quoted an interest rate and then sent on their way. Um, me, man, like our brokerage, we're big on like educating clients that like look, life happens. Five years is a long time. Five years is your typical mortgage term. So you get a, you get a rate and you get a product for five years. After that, five years is up. You can move your mortgage around for like a better option, right? Um, but if you break your mortgage within those five years, some pretty hefty penalties that come along with certain products uh, if you're given the wrong advice, right? So um, we're 100% mortgages, man. I'm 100% mortgages. I've I wasn't. I'm also an underwriter, so I do underwriting on files as well for some guys in our office. I've underwritten probably. 1500 mortgage files. So I've seen 1500 approximately different situations and I've seen people break their mortgages and there's some nasty penalties for breaking those. And like, that's not a nice surprise for, for a family or, 
or a single guy or a single single woman or, or whatnot, right? So um, more often than not, like like to have some detailed conversations with clients, make sure they're set up for the future. Now we're not just giving them a mortgage product for today, but that we're like giving them something that protects them in the future. Um, because again, life happens, they're shaking and moving that occurs and you want flexibility out of your product, right? Um, not saying that doesn't happen when you maybe speak with someone who isn't a hundred percent dealing in mortgages, but we're incentivized and our care level is, um, maybe on a more predominant level than someone who's not incentivized to do a hundred percent mortgages. Right. Interesting. What's like a penalty like for breaking your mortgage? Is it just like a hefty fine or does it range? Uh, so um, if you're in like a fixed mortgage product, the penalty can be roughly 1% of the remaining mortgage balance, mm. depending where you are on your term. Which is? You do the math. You got a $400,000 yeah. $400, mortgage and you break it. Well, you can do the math. It's forty grand, right? It's not everyone's situation, but that mm. happens, man. Um, and more often than not, like you think anyone's reading the 25-page mortgage commitment that they're signing Fuck word for word with a magnifying glass <laughs> likely not right or sometimes they're just trusting someone is giving them the right advice right so um those are conversations that i have man some of the mentors at my office who've got me to where i want to be um have taken me to that mindset um and that's how like you ultimately gain a client for life and you ultimately have trust built with maybe any referral partners or any clients um and those people are the ones that kind of help you do business for, for the rest of your life. Right. So ultimately it benefits everyone to get the right advice. So cool. Let's dive into the start of your career because, um, I'm super interested because I feel like a mortgage agent might go through some of the similar struggles as a real estate agent, uh, starting off, you know, you really have to earn your business, find the right people that are willing to work with you. And that's honestly not easy, especially in a field that feels as saturated like real estate. I know we can go on and say every field saturated, but real estate is one of those ones that maybe just maybe might be like slightly ahead of some of the others. I mean, would you, would you say the mortgage agent industry is super saturated as well? Or where do you stand on that? Yeah. Um, again, everyone needs a mortgage, right? So mm-hmm. I think it would be applicable to the amount of, I don't know the numbers, but I yeah. think like the amount of real estate agents out there, it's probably a close amount of mortgage agents also out there as well. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a saturated market as well. Um, I see like some people maybe diving into real estate or mortgages part time. I don't know if that's always the successful route. I'd be curious to see like how that works out for people, but yeah, full-time like mortgage or real estate agents, I say they're pretty comparable in terms of competition and options that people have to choose from. Yeah. Right. So the start of your career, once you got your license, how did things go for you? I mean, what were you kind of understanding about the business in order to, you know, get your first couple, you know, checks under your belt and, you know, see some results? Yeah. So that's a good, I like the question, man, because so our brokers, we bring on, we have about 20 agents that we brought on to our team, some newer, some more veteran. Um, and I actually like, I assist in running some of the coaching programs for our agents, right? So to answer your question, like my struggle um, and what I've learned, what I show agents is like, look, anyone can bring in mortgage leads. If you're personable, you have a good network and like you're just cool to talk to, right? Like people like that. So you can bring in leads. That's one side applies to real estate and to mortgages or any service really. But do you have the product knowledge on the other side to give the right recommendation to a client? to know that it's the right recommendation, to know how to present it to a client, to know how to make sure that client believes it's the right recommendation 
it, it, it has to be, it should be. Um, and can you take that to the closing kind of transactional point um, and repeat that over and over? Right. So, I mean, took like me probably two years of like losing files, not understanding certain products, um, having rebuttals from client conversations and objectives that I couldn't really handle. Right. Trial and error uh, eventually got to a point where like um, I'm in a good spot. Like I'm very confident in the product knowledge I have. I spend a lot of time to make sure I know what I'm talking about. Um, and I like to think I'm an okay, okay guy to talk to. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, like you asked like kind of what was the journey what really kind of was the propeller to like being successful. It was learning both how to bring in leads and like generate conversations, but also how to have like the product knowledge to bring those together to ultimately get a file to the finish um, and repeat that and make sure all parties involved uh, are put in the best position. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and I I feel like a big foundation to everything you're describing is just, you know, really working on your, your personable skills and really the communication and how you make people feel and the comfort hundred percent, man, I, I was actually listening to, uh, so there's this other real estate podcast in Toronto and I was listening to a gentleman on there. Um, and essentially you would know this, like to get a listing from, from a client, right? Usually you go, um, to their house and you have a presentation on why they should list their house with you. Right. Um, well this gentleman, like he has 20,000 followers on Instagram. He's, he's super social. He's involved in a lot of community events, organizations and whatnot. Right. He's always talking about like his dog and, and his partner, um, on his social media. Uh, me, like I'm talking about my sports team and, and whatnot on social media, but like consistently like talking about himself. Right. Um, and the interest that he has. So he like did a podcast and they were asking like, how do you, how do you sell yourself at a listing presentation? He's like, I, I don't I'm like, well, what do you mean? It's like, well, I go to a listing presentation and like, oh, uh, hey, John and Jane, well, how's it going? And like John and Jane know him and they haven't even met him because they've seen him on social. And they'll ask him like, oh, hey, hey, James, how, how's your dog? Oh, how's your spouse? You know, um, and they're already kind of connected to that person where he doesn't have to sell the listing presentation. He doesn't have to sell himself. He's already kind of done it just through being authentic and being himself. Right. Um, I think that's the way to go these days, man. I think there's a lot of like coaching programs out there or like maybe mindsets of like, Oh, I got a cold call this person. You know, I got to do this. Like this person I could do business with, man, just, just be yourself. And like, if, if you really actually like what you're doing and you're good at what you're doing and like you have a goal to like, actually, obviously you want to be successful and and make money. But if you actually care about the profession that you're in and you want to do a good job, um, that'll kind of bleed through your personality just from the way you kind of convey um, who you are as a, as a person on the personal side. Right. So does that make sense? Yeah. 100%. I always find it interesting when people kind of have those, uh, the stories where they're connecting with people over social media, just on some like personal things they're posting, like how you just said about the dog and stuff. I mean, they're really just throwing like an outlet for someone for when they see them in person, they really have just a conversation to bring up and really break the ice type vibe. Yeah. The barrier's already gone. So we were talking earlier about social media, like what are the bad things and what are the good things? Well, there's a good thing, like business-wise, uh, even friendship-wise, you connect with people, geez, even people on uh, Tinder or whatever, like relationship-wise, like there's a barrier that's almost invisible because you can access anyone's social media page and like see into their life, um, pending you like them, <laughs> things are going to go well, right? So that's actually a pro to uh, the social media. I think like a lot of people, like you're a younger guy, I mean, Oh, I don't know. I think I'm younger too. Uh, hopefully you're young. You're uh, young. <laughs> um, so I think like 
all the up and comers, um, and even someone like the real estate partners that I work with, um, or people that I look, look towards, like they're getting on TikTok, they're on social media. Um, they're connecting through other social media apps, clubhouse. That's a big one as well that I've seen recently too. And they're just breaking down the barriers already, whether that breaking down the barriers already, whether that's with prospective clients, uh, or with other partners in their business. And like, that's a cool thing to see. Right. I wonder what the next big social media app is going to be. Like we had Facebook, we had Snapchat, we got Instagram, Twitter's is kind of popping lately. I wonder like what the next one is going to like, aren't you working on something? Oh yeah, I got that. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to hit me up, I know this guy tries to buy every company he sees. So, you know, just come my way with an offer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, like what do you want most predominantly? Like, I mean, going kind of sort of take the conversation back, but if we were to go into the next type of social media thing, it would have to be like an app where you can access the metaverse through it. Obviously. I mean, yeah. Run around. Let's, um, Fuck the metaverse. I don't want to live in the metaverse anyways. Right. With mortgages, man, you must, there must be a lot of mo- emotions involved, obviously dealing with people and just their finances. I mean, what are c- kind of the things that you see that, um, obviously maybe change your perspective on just how other people are living and what they're going through, maybe in terms of their finances, maybe the stories you hear on why they can't do this or that. I mean, do you see a lot of that? Uh, yeah, it's a great question, man, as well. Um, yeah, the, I think the real estate transaction, like I'm not, I'm not doing the real estate transaction, but like, that's a stressful transaction for people. Um, and I think the financing end as well, like that's an extremely stressful situation for people. Right. Um, so yeah, I think like people wanting to buy their first home, it's not like I can speak in acronyms and they understand what I'm talking about. Like it's, it's foreign language to people trying to buy their first home. Maybe some people are selling their home and buying a new one. Well, that's super stressful. Like they're selling their home, like the home that they know, and they're trying to buy a new one. They're trying to align like, okay, I need the money from this home to buy this home. You know, like, okay, what are the closing dates? Like there's a lot of moving parts in a, in a financing transact home financing transaction. Um, so I, I try and be the calming voice at all times. And like, I think anyone hiring a professional for whatever service it is, you're hiring that professional to make a process slash experience the most seamless and stress-free as possible. And that's what it should be. You shouldn't be waiting four, five, six business days to get a response on something. Um, buying a home, selling a home, buying another home, whatever it is, like those, that's a big deal. Um, and I think like just temperament-wise, it's important like to hire professionals. Um who you align with, who you vibe with and who really like know their stuff, but also have like the calming attitude to take you from start to finish to get to where you want to be. Let me ask you this. Does a lot of the stress you think come from people buying things they can't afford? Are people usually shooting a bit higher than maybe they should be? I mean, I think it's probably fair to assume a lot of people aren't necessarily, you know, maybe don't have the finances together as much as they could. Of course, when you look at people's past and stuff, maybe decisions they made earlier in life. I mean, do you think people are shooting higher than what could actually be a reality for them? Uh, Yes, but not unfairly. I mean, you have to live under a rock to not know like real estate around in our our province. I'll speak to Ontario. It's not 
bananas right now. Right. Probably the right term, right? So that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, people have expectations of like, I work my ass off. You know, I have a mom and I have a son and a daughter. I want to get them a nice home and I work my ass off. Like I make decent money. And yeah, I drive a car. I have a, I have a one car payment per month. But yeah, I can buy a house. But like the prices out there, like have been pretty crazy, man. We're like, it's unfortunate um, that some people like have maybe some expectations in their mind of what they can afford. And maybe in the real world they can afford it. But in the mortgage world, where things are a bit more aggressively uh, underwritten, like lenders just don't hand out mortgages like that because you deserve it. Um, they have guidelines they need to follow and kind of math behind the scenes they have to hit, right? Well, real estate pricing has just gone bonkers where like the house that maybe you wanted for 500 grand three years ago is 950 grand. So it's just about expectation setting. Um, so I think that's kind of something that's come to light over the last little bit. It's not to say things are going to level out. Uh, maybe some of the realtor professionals you've had on before could echo this better than myself. But like for the last 20, 30 years, from what I know in conversing with realtors, um, we've seen some small dips happen, and then we've seen a gradual increase again. Small dip, gradual increase to a bit of a higher pre- um, a higher amount. Um, I think that's coming. I think there's a small dip coming. One, you asked me about interest rates. Those are those are rising. Um, and then number two, like people are free to move around again, right? So people want to sell their houses. They want to move. So there's going to be houses that are up for sale because um, people are wanting to move around, right? Because we're allowed to again. So more listings... Um, means more houses available for people and means not a hundred people looking at the same house and all bidding and driving up the price of that house. Right. So I actually made a post the other day, I think springtime, we're going to see some opportunities for people. Um, I don't ever want to push like buying real estate on someone. It's a big deal. But like, if you have the ability to get in at a time when it's possible for you, I'm a big believer in getting in and then using that piece of real estate down the road to accelerate your wealth and your life, right? So for example, you buy you buy a house this spring, um, now you're in, right? You're making a monthly payment, but three years from now, like maybe you take money out of that house and you go buy another house and turn your old house into a rental property. Maybe you sell that house and then you upgrade to a nicer house because you had a couple of kids come in the, in the mix, right? So um, I think there's opportunities coming where buyers who have had a tough time or people who like have had expectations smashed by the market, um, I think there's some great like real estate professionals out there. And I think there's some great opportunities that like will come into play for people, uh, hopefully in the spring and hopefully for a little bit anyways. Mm. Opportunities, not just for people buying or selling, but like mortgage agents like yourself, if you know, a dip's going to happen in the market and then maybe more opportunity arises, all the people that are leaving your business right now due to, you know, lack of supply, whatever it may be. I mean, that opens a path for agents like you to really maybe, you know, take the next step and grow, grow your clientele. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like you have a lot of options to choose from in terms of mortgage agents. Um, but again, hopefully like I, I try and always give the right advice and I try and just, we got the best one right here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just, again, I try and be myself. Like I'm not getting on the phone and like just being super salesy. Um, people that are committed to me, um, have committed to me because they trust what I'm telling them and giving them financial advice. Um, so yeah, I, I am excited for uh, family, friends, uh, some of my extended network, some clients that I currently have for some more real estate opportunities to come up. Um, Cause I've seen firsthand just from some of the mentors in my life, what they've done with real estate. Um, and even myself and my wife, like bought a rental property uh, about six months ago, Nice. put in a little bit of work to it. It's worth 300 grand more than when we bought it 
four nice. months ago. Um, so those are the things like that I've seen firsthand and like they can really propel someone's life and someone's wealth. So I'm excited for the opportunities that are coming up for some other people. Um, yeah, just a lot of great mortgage agents out there. A lot of great mm-hmm. real estate agents out there. Um, the more the merrier, the more there is to, to kind of acquire in terms of servicing and, and real estate, right? You kind of sparked it in my mind that I guess cold calling would just be as prevalent, you know, selling mortgages as it is, you know, trying to find a client to buy or sell a house. I didn't really think of it that way. But um, since since we're getting into like prospecting and stuff like that, what do you think is more important for a mortgage agent to prospect potential buyers and sellers or to prospect and build relationships with realtors? Uh, the latter, what you said, building relationships with realtor partners. Um, honestly, man, like when I first started out, maybe give you some good insight here or anyone else listening, like in my industry, whether it's a mortgage agent, real estate professional, whatever. Um, yeah, you see like everyone else in your network has an opportunity to do business with. Doesn't mean that everyone in your network is going to do business with you. So yeah, like I strive to like connect with realtors. Um, I strive to connect with like financial planners, Strive. I went to a, an event the other night for the Hamilton Builders Association, and it's just a bunch of builders, um, like people that work for building companies, and like we all went bowling and just kind of shot the shit with them, right? Like you never know where someone's going to lead you mm-hmm. in terms of like finding a connection to ultimately um, do business together and, and help people, right? Um, but the realtor point of view, like you said, like yeah, like every realtor out there is an opportunity for me to connect with and do business with. But tying it back to like just the personal level you have to vibe like with another person to do business with them. You have to have the same beliefs in business. Mm. You have to have the same strategy. You have to have um, the same kind of structure and the same almost, almost characteristics. Um, Give you like an example. Like sometimes I like, I'm very big on like, okay, I've I've told Brad, he can go buy a house. Now he's going to go look at houses. He's excited, right? He's going to go look with his realtor at houses. Um, I want the realtor to like keep me involved throughout the process so that before Brad makes a house, I can have a conversation with Brad and the realtor and make sure that, yeah, you're great, man. Green light. You're good to put an offer on this place. Just putting an offer on a home is a big deal, right? Um, I like working with people who like believe that that's the right way to go. Having the client, the realtor and the mortgage broker all in touch. Communication is super important. Some people are so busy real estate wise where they don't have the time for that. But I think that's super important. So like if that's valuable to a real estate partner and that's valuable to me, um, then likely like we're going to connect and like, that's going to be a good relationship for us, but more importantly for the client that they're going to get kind of the best of the real estate world and the best of the mortgage world all in one sync to the end goal. Right. Hmm, Very eye opening how you mentioned that, you know, the people you're most likely going to achieve business with are kind of the people that maybe you see yourself in in some ways, whether that be interest or characteristic traits. I guess what happens when you connect with someone online, you meet in person and, you know, you're talking and you're having a conversation, but you can tell like the vibes really just not there. And you, you really understand that, you know most likely business may not come from that person. Is it just like, uh, thank you for connecting with me. I appreciate that moment and just move on on to the next one. Uh, you just order another beer really quickly. (laughs) 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 Um, no, man, like again, like every, every real estate professional out there or whoever you're wanting to seek to do business with. Yeah. That's another human that you have an opportunity with that opportunity doesn't have to be, yeah, I'm going to do business with them. It could be like, yeah, I met them. Maybe our business models don't align. 
but we just shot the shit and we learned a couple of things. Maybe they learned something on my end that they didn't know about, um, that they either liked or disliked that helped them kind of tinker their thought process or maybe vice versa. I learned something from them. Right. So, um, nothing bad happens, man. Just Mm -hmm. shoot the shit, shake hands. And like, you're likely going to see those people at numerous events throughout the course of your career. Mm. So you never burn any bridges, no reason to anyway. Um, just like sitting with you, man, I just want to be cool with everyone. That's, that's how, of course, the pursuit of happiness, just being cool with everyone and having a good time. Right. Right. Especially when you don't click with someone, it's kind of just like, you find a way to love them in a way where it's like, I understand you may feel this way or we don't connect, but listen, I understand you got your own shit going on, your own life you're trying to live and build. And like, you can really find peace in that from wherever they're coming from. You can really just have a sense of relief and kind of not things working out between you two. Yeah. I know we're kind of going deep into it. It's not a fucking relationship, but no, no, that's, that's <laughs> the only right way to think, man. Like, right. It's the only right way to think. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What's, uh, since you're 30 now, you've spent some years in mortgages, you know, you, you mentioned that you've moved to kind of a coaching role. What is a little tidbit you could maybe give to someone who wants to enter the mortgage industry? Because a lot of people are like, oh, this guy sells mortgages. He makes tons of money. So what's kind of a tidbit? What's the reality? What's it like? Um, again, man, tying it back to like, if you're wanting to enter the industry, I mentioned I have mentors. I have some senior agents that have like really given me again, like the, the product knowledge and then the guidance of like how to kind of present yourself so that people uh, want to work with you. Right. So anyone getting into the mortgage industry, um, I think really any industry, like attach yourself to a mentor. Um, if you're like speaking with different mortgage brokerages and they're just like, yeah, we'll bring you on Brad. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, you got your license. Come on, man. Let's do mortgages. And they don't, they give you jack shit in terms of like training. Good luck. Good luck. Your first phone call with your client. What the heck are you going to say? Right? You'll be squashed. Um, And it's on you to really figure out what to do because at the end of the day, no one's going to do it for you, right? Yeah. And you're you're not going to figure it out unless you have someone basically hand-holding you probably for six months to a year, right? Mm. So um, advice-wise, like anyone wanting to get into the mortgage space, I hope this would apply to like anyone getting into any kind of um, real estate space anyway, like check yourself, call a few brokerages, see what their coaching programs are like, see what kind of their core values are. Ask them like, how do you help me kind of onboard with my first few clients? Is there any mentorship programs that you have? Um, I, I, I put money into the things I do in terms of marketing, spending on events um, and just education. You got to kind of, you know, necessarily necessarily have to, put money in, but you got to put something out for things to come back a little later. Right. So, um, don't expect you're going to jump in and just start smashing mortgage deals or real estate transactions. Take the time to like find the right fit and find the right people to get you to that point. Right. Right. You got to get the groove. You got to find out where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do. And then, you know, just keep rolling at it every single day. Sometimes it just kind of feels like you're stuck. You're not making progress. But eventually, you know, you keep doing that, keep learning. You just see it accumulate in yourself over time. And eventually you really just start seeing the results. And then it's only a matter of time before your results show. And I think that pretty much sums it up in any industry, uh, basically what you just said. For sure, man. If it's your hobby and it's mm-hmm. something you want to do at the end of the day, you don't really have to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. You just got to find the right fit and the right people to like mentor you. And like, it'll happen. So for sure. Man, tell me what you're interested in now. Like, what's what's life going on for you? Like, what what do you like to do? In general? Yeah, anything. Mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Geez, man. Yeah. yeah. My interest probably changed over time. Um, I don't know. I'm an adventurous guy. I picked up golf last last year. Man, golf is something I want to learn. 